You know, um, spiritual and unspiritual, uh, parents who are Christ followers or parents who have nothing to do with the Lord and no relationship with Him, they'll agree on two pieces of parenting. It's innate and how we're wired. I believe it's God-given. And it's something that many, many parents get right. It is to provide and to protect. It's to provide and to protect. Almost um, every parent, I would imagine, if you have a conversation, though they may downplay the level that they can do that at, they would say ground zero for parenting is to provide and to protect. We see it, come on, you can study other species, other mammals, get it right. In fact, they're terms like mama bear, right? They know we're going to protect. Like, listen, listen, anybody can make fun of anybody, but the moment you make fun of my child, man, mama bear going to come out, somebody, you know what I mean? And we understand that almost across the board, it's a, it's a universal truth that we understand, man, part of our role as parents is to provide and to protect. Today's message is based around the third P, and that is, I believe, what is pr probably the most needed and most important in our culture today, and that is the word prepare. That a parent's role is not only to provide and to protect, but also to prepare. To prepare a child for adulthood, to prepare a child to step into its culture, and those of us that are Christ followers, to give our children an understanding of God's love, of how God's love changed us. That not saving grace we can simply read off of a page, but a life lived by saving grace. A life lived with intentionality and purpose and prayer. Um, when I think of parenting, I do want to share some practical helps one of the most helpful, practical pieces I ever received was actually before I had kids. It was when I was a youth pastor. And I was like, man, teens are crazy. And then I had to learn and grow and discover how to help pastor teenagers. And I stumbled upon something you may be familiar with, and it's the four stages of parenting. And I just want to share those briefly and share some passages and then hopefully share uh, a, a little key truths on how to be a prayerful parent. But if you're unfamiliar with these, man, these are going to be worth the price of admission today. I'm just going to tell you, like, like these make it worth it. But if you've never reflected or given much time to, to thinking about beyond um, providing and protecting, I believe this will give you some tools, just the information alone to begin preparing. Become aware of the season you're in, the, the season your child is in and where you hope for them to be. Because how many of you know praying is important? Absolutely. But preparation is vital as well. Like we believe in, in following Jesus isn't just by a hope and a prayer. No, we believe that we now get to live that out. And so some of these stages of parenting, there are only four. I'll keep them simple, straightforward. But stage one is called loving discipline. Loving discipline. Now, that's new, I understood, because when I talked to my parents, all they got was discipline. So, praise be to God. Loving discipline is kind of new. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just teasing. But loving discipline is a combination of two important words, love and discipline. And this is the earliest stages. Ages one through five is typically 
where this, this paradigm operates, typically where, where this is, is the pathway for parenting. Loving discipline, these, this is where kids are learning how to interact with the world around them and the dangers they need to avoid. Parents have to be very consistent in drawing boundaries at this stage. Discipline needs to always be done in love, not anger, everybody. The purpose here is to teach that actions have consequences, both good and bad. It's a pivotal age, ages one through five, and it's tough to juggle it all because, you know, like telling you not to discipline in anger, you're like, dude, I got an hour and a half of sleep because they would not sleep, and I am hungry and tired, and I got stresses. There's a lot to carry. But by God's grace, the predominant hope is that you can lovingly discipline. Can I tell you, that is uh, being proactive instead of reactive. And I remember growing up, I grew up in a home. By the time I came along, I'm the youngest of three. By the time I came along, my dad was all about some loving discipline. And so uh, I, I, I would, you know, on the rarest occasions, I would disobey or do something wrong. Like once every two hours, you know, and um, I, I, I would be disciplined for it. But, but how my dad practiced this out is um, my mom usually was the one to experience my, my, my disobedience or disrespect, and I'd be sent to the room. Paul, go to your room. It's like, Lord, yes, I was just there, but I'll go again. Go to your room, and then inevitably... My dad would not punish. He would not give me a, a spanking or discipline me in anger. So what did he do? He took some cool-off time. There's nothing like knowing you got disciplined only to have your dad cool off and then suddenly get distracted by something else, and you're stuck by the side of your bed for like 10 minutes. Thinking, what's happening? Is it, how's this going to end? Dad, are you coming? And only to an hour and a half later, him come. But, no. But loving discipline, loving discipline is setting up the parameters yourself for how you can operate, not out of reactivity, but out of love. And boundaries are vital. You know, boundaries are crucial to the formation and the development of kids. And listen, kids are just like us. They don't love boundaries. Like you tell them no, what are they going to do? The very thing you said no. And so what they need is somebody to come alongside and show them the way. And this is perhaps one of the most mirror image of our Heavenly Father in that He is one who lovingly disciplines. In fact, the book of Hebrews in chapter 12, verse 10 and 11, it says in verse 11, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who what? Have been trained by it. And so we learn loving discipline is an important piece to the process of parenting. And it leads us into the next phase, ages 5 through 12. And this is training. This is stage 2. If you have children or you got grandkids um, or you got, you know, you're trying to parent other people's kids. I, I understand that. 5 through 12, that is a pivotal, pivotal place of training. This is training. This is really where preparation kicks in. Kids have learned, hopefully, about right and wrong in the home, but now they're going to school and seeing how other kids act. So they test in it a little bit. 
A parent becomes more of a trainer, teaching kids how to interact in the world while not losing sight of the values taught at home. The purpose at the training stage is to nurture a love for God and others in the hearts of kids. Matthew 22, 37 through 39, Jesus, he says, listen, love God and love others. That training age is where we want to train our children to have a love for God and a love for others. Matthew 22, 37 through 39, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You need to know that the, the, the way God had arranged it, even society and culture has arranged it, is that parents have such a vital voice in the life of their kids. And one of the tensions we seem to be in our age is that if we're not careful, there are companies who can disciple your kids more intentionally than you. And that we could be given over to Disney Plus, somebody. We can be given over to Netflix. There's a new website called YouTube. You ever heard of it? Kids love spending time on it. (laughs) All right, okay. But they can be disciplined by what they're watching. And so it's vital for us to notice, to be alert, to be aware, and to zero in. And to understand that the voice we have, if we don't speak up and we don't speak in and we don't set aside time to train and to be intentional, can I tell you there will be a vacuum and another voice will fill it. The voice of another will fill it. And so it's crucial that we remain engaged, even with the lack of sleep, even with the stresses of just, you know, you're like, man, now i got to protect them. I'm just trying to protect myself. I don't want to keep them alive. I'm just trying to stay alive. Like, there's a lot to life. But as a parent, it's so crucial in the training stages that we begin to lead them. And here here is a mistake that many people make. I've even made it at times. Probably will in the future as well. But you've got to come back to this reality that many times as a parent and even as a person, we want to impart what we know. And that's good. But at the end of the day, could I tell you something? You impart who you are. Like I could tell my kids all day, man, you got to love Jesus. You need to pray. You need to get in God's word. Okay, thanks, Dad. Sure. But what really goes the extra mile is, do I make time to pray? Do I make time to be in God's word? Do Do I make time to repent and apologize? Show them how to clean up messes relationship-wise. Show them how not to live guilty and condemned, but to live free. Do I show them how they can have a positive, upbeat, uplifting attitude? Or am I currently negative, pessimistic, and just scrooging all up in the place? What I know is important, but who I am is what's being transformative or transported to them. It far outweighs. Jesus' greatest indictment excuse me, in the Gospels, in the stories, is against the Pharisees. Because they would get up every day and tell people what they knew, but their walk was far away. And Jesus is like, man, you've got to have an authentic faith. Like it's perfectly capable to be like, hey, man, I missed it today. That's my bad. That's my mistake. 
Show them, model them, train them in how to operate in the faith and, of course, how to operate in relationships with one another. So loving discipline, training, coaching. Now, ages 13 through 18, glory be to God, the teenage years, that is framed as coaching. We all know what it's like. You, got, you probably got a coach in mind that you liked and that you despised. I'm going to leave that to you, which one to be. But coaching, coaching is crucial to preparation. But can you see the stages? They each build one on top of the other. And it's crucial, it's crucial that we coach, that we lean in, that we make a difference. And Luke 2.52, it says this, Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. He grew in that. He grew in that. But he was also coached. He was also shown. He also had people in his life to lead and to guide. And can I tell you, parenting, parenting, it requires great intentionality. Think about your parents, whether they made the mark or missed the mark. How prepared were you for what life came? How prepared were you spiritually, but also just in the natural? The way you disagree with everybody. You ever had that phrase, somebody says, hey, the apple didn't fall from, far from the tree. But it could be a reality. And can I tell you, what is that? That's your parents imparting who they are to you. So it's important that us, when we zero in, especially those in the parenting season, to know that if this was a game changer. I don't know if it's just for me. Hopefully it helps you. Hopefully it can help. Maybe in your grandparent phase, you can encourage your children with it. But knowing the stages, you can't treat a 17-year-old like a 2-year-old. Loving discipline, like, come on, man, I know you want to get your loving discipline on, but you need to understand that phase has shifted. It's important. Consequences matter. You need to be engaged. But come on, sometimes, man, people are parenting their children in their 30s with phase number one, like, whoa. That's why it's so important to engage in the season that we're in. And the last, if we get it right, if we get it right, can I tell you, if I could share this truth, don't do this one too soon. And that's the friendship phase. We're in a day and time where parents want to be friends with their kids at five. Like, I just want to be outright. Like, you're not a bad parent to look your kid in the eye and say, you're not my friend. You're my daughter. And I love you. And we're going to be friends. But don't you talk to me like a friend. You don't get to do that. We got boundaries because what will happen is they will land up mirroring and disrespecting and being rude and being unkind. And so we have to understand. I have to. I'm like, me, 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 me. I got to understand. There's important pieces. And if we get it right, we can pivot. You can move into that 18 plus category where we're friends, where we're friends, where we can lead and guide and be real and be honest and be transparent. But ultimately, in that phase, your kids have lightly moved out on their own. The active parenting stage is over, and your kids must now take full responsibility for their choices. Here is one of the temptations. At the friendship stage is to release your kids to be mature, responsible adults. Keyword, release. 
Advise, encourage, resist the urge to bail your kids out. Resist the urge to bail your kids out or protect them from the consequences of their poor choices. Because if you bail them out, you are empowering them. And so consequences are no longer real. And it can jeopardize their future. But it's coming from a good place. It's out of a loving, kind place. But sometimes the most loving thing we can do is lay down a boundary. Let them know how loved, cared for they are. But they have to learn to clean up their own messes. It's an important, important piece. You're welcome, everybody. So, if those were helpful to you, this last point is the most helpful. There's power in being a praying parent. You know, as a church, you'll catch next week's message. It'll be totally different than a, than a message on parenting. This is the first time I ever taught on parenting from, from the platform here. But I recognize it's an important piece. But more than single, married, parenting, or even next week, relational regret and how to handle that appropriately is to be a person of prayer, to be a person of prayer, to be somebody that knows that God is a lifeline, that God leads us and guides us. Most of the, probably some of the most significant parenting moments you've ever had have been discernment, which comes through prayer, have been obedience and surrender, which comes through prayer. The moments where you've gotten it right have been when you were, if you will, open to what the Lord may be saying or the Lord may be doing. Because learning how to parenting, the way it's set up all throughout Scripture, from Genesis all the way through, parenting is set up to do in relationship with God. Not separately in our own strength or according to our own abilities, or God forbid, only how our family of origin did it. No, who we are in relationship with God. He wants to give you all the tools you need. He wants to give you all the whispers from heaven you need. Because your child, I want you to hear this, is uniquely created and crafted and a gift from Almighty God to you. And so sometimes the temptation is you can look at a child over here and long <laughs> to experience their behavior comparative with your child's behavior. When in reality, your child's a gift to you. God's not comparing us with one another. Neither should we compare our kids with others. We need to engage with the gift that they are. Learn, grow, discover who God has called for them to be. How God has wired them. How God has uniquely crafted and created them. And then if I can say this, this is a little off script. Stay ridiculously positive. And remarkably encouraging. Ridiculously positive. When they're face to face with fear, come alongside them and say, man, I see God doing a miracle up in here. When they're faced with the consequences of their sin, man, aren't you glad that God's mercy is new every morning? Aren't you glad that you can say sorry to God, sorry to others, and trust them with your future? Man, isn't God's grace so good? 
Because Stormy O'Martian, she's actually written a great prayer book. Man, probably the best five bucks you'll spend today, somebody. Amazon, get that on your Kindle, get it on your phone. You can pray a one-minute prayer daily over your kids. The power of a praying parent. Stormy O'Martian shares in the beginning of her book, she makes this statement. Man, I felt the pressure to be a perfect parent. God came alongside me and said, you will not be a perfect parent, but you are called to be a praying parent. And so perfection is not required, but prayer, it fills in the gaps where our parenting mistakes happen, where we just are ill-equipped or don't feel like we're up to the task. Can I tell you, prayer is the game changer. When you're a teenager, whether they think about it or not, when you get in that secret place and you get down on your knees or, man, they're asleep, don't do anything weird, but, you know, when they're asleep, you're just going in the room, praying over them quietly. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the future. I thank you that you, God, would just speak to them even as they sleep. Lord, the difficulties, the pain, the hurt, the frustration they're walking through. Holy Spirit, thank you for growing them and strengthening them. Can I tell you, that is where the battlefield is. And it's our responsibility to be people who pray. But here's what's crazy. Shoot, you may not be a parent. You can take that to the workplace. The power of a praying person, somebody. You could show up early to work. The numbers in your workplace may be down. Why not show up early? The power of a praying person. Man, you just show up early. You may be lacking a promotion or lacking financial blessing in the workplace. Man, just show up early. Begin to pray. Begin to ask God to bless your boss, though they drive you bananas. All right, if you're the boss, bless my employees, or though they drive me bananas. Can I tell you, prayer, prayer is what brings heaven to earth. And here's what's wild many times. The most simple, easy opportunity we have can oftentimes be the, the most neglected. Don't let discouragement, don't let distraction stand in the way of being somebody that stands in the gap on behalf of, yes, your life, but the behalf of the children or behalf of the lives that you have. It's remarkable. I have been using that book for several years now. Why, Pastor? Would you need a book like that? Because I didn't know how to pray for my kids. I don't have all the answers. That's a lie from the enemy that you got to know everything. No way. You got to use resources. There's a great book out there. It's not five bucks, it's like 12 bucks. But the power of, well, not the power, it's praying for your prodigal children. Some of you grandparents, some of you older parents, you need to go buy that book. You need to get on your knees. You need to get in the secret place and be praying for your kids. I'm telling you, one of the greatest distractions is the enemy. He just gets us with our time and attention all sorts of ways. But nothing can replace the power of prayer in one's life. And I just want to tell you something. Whether you feel far from God, whether you feel like you don't know how to pray, whether you feel like, man, my sin and my brokenness, God would not want nothing to do with me. Hear me loud and clear. You have God's heart. He is for you. He loves you. He's never, never distanced himself from you. You may feel like your circumstances and difficulties are so large. Can I just declare over you, God loves you, that he sees you. And I don't care how big the mess or mistake may be. I promise you this. If you will set your eyes on Jesus and you will 
partner with him. Do your best, step by step. Make a mistake, get back up. Make a mistake, get back up. If you partner with God, I'm going to tell you, you will step into the good that he has for you. You will step into the abundance that he has for you. Amen. You'll step into the peace that he has for you. Don't let the enemy, like Josh was saying, don't let the enemy have a foothold, whether that be anger, whether that be regret, whether that be sin. Man, pray with somebody. Talk with somebody. Get people in your life because the voices in your life determine the vision for your life. That's why we have small groups that you can get people. When you're down, they can come and lift you up. And when you're up and they're down, you can lift them up. It's called the power of community. It's better together. All right. The plane, it took off. It made its way, and it crash landed, baby. We done. I'm going to pray. We're going to leave. Lord, again, thank you for who you are. Thank you for the influence of parents. For some of us, God, it's hard to even be grateful. When we think of our family of origin, Lord, so I know there might be pain or brokenness. But Father, you gave us the parents we had. Lord, it may be a mystery in some cases. But Father, we just thank you. That maybe all they knew how to do was provide. All they knew how to do was provide. Lord, we just say thank you for that provision. All they knew how to do, maybe for some, was protect, Lord. We say thank you for that protection. And Lord, maybe they didn't know how to prepare us. But Father, we forgive them for that. And we ask that you would give us, you would give us the tools, you would give us the passion, you would give us the zeal, Lord, and intentionality to not waste one more day doing life in our own strength would you give us the Holy Spirit Lord, to empower us to be praying parents parents that prepare the next generation Father may we be a praying people may we be a praying person God that is willing to lift up the needs of others Lord that is to lift up the lives of others Father would you open our eyes to see the gift of prayer. And Father, would you give us ears to hear, eyes to see all that you're doing in our lives, God, the lives of those around us. Thank you for helping us, God. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.